Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Hello, this is the Chorus Call Conference Operator. Welcome to Vesma Network's first quarter fiscal 2021 earnings conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Analysts and institutional investors who wish to join the question queue, simply press star and one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. Presenting today on behalf of Vesema Networks are Sumit Kumar, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Dale Booth, Chief Financial Officer. Today's call will begin with the executive commentary on Vestima's financial and operational performance for the first quarter fiscal 2021 results. Lastly, the call will finish with a question and answer period for analysts and institutional investors. The press release announcing the company's first quarter fiscal 2021 results, as well as detailed supplemental investor information, are posted on Vesema's website at www.vesema.com under the Investor Relations heading. The highlights provided in this call should be understood in conjunction with the company's interim condensed consolidated financial statements and accompanying notes for the three months ended September 30th, 2020 and 2019. Certain statements in this conference call and webcast may constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. All statements other than statements of historical fact are forward-looking statements. These statements include, but are not limited to, statements regarding management's intentions, beliefs, or current expectations with respect to market and general economic conditions future sales and revenue expectations, future costs, and operating performance. These statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve risks and uncertainties that are difficult to predict and or are beyond our control. A number of important factors could cause actual outcomes and results to differ materially from those expressed in these forward-looking statements. These factors include, but are not limited to, the current significant general economic uncertainty and credit financial market volatility, including the impact of COVID-19 and the distinctive characteristics of VESIMA's operations and industry and customer demand that may have material impact on or constitute risk factors in respect of VESIMA's future financial performance as set forth under the heading risk factors in the company's annual information form dated September 24, 2020, a copy of which is available at www.cedar.com. In addition, although the forward-looking statements in this earnings call are based on what management believes are reasonable assumptions, such assumptions may prove to be incorrect. Consequently, attendees should not place undue reliance on such forward-looking statements in addition, these forward-looking statements relate to the date on which they are made. 
FESIMA disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by law. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Kumar to present to proceed with his remarks. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning and welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Fiscal 2021 got off to an excellent start, both operationally and financially. We achieved significant momentum with our next generation Entra DAA products. We completed a strategically game-changing transaction with our acquisition of Nokia Corporation's cable access business, and we turned in very strong financial results, including our best quarterly revenue in over four years. We'll talk about all of this on today's call, but I'd like to start with a look at our first quarter sales growth. On the top line, we generated revenue of $27.8 million, anchored by deployments of next-generation products to our growing base of customers. On a consolidated basis, sales were up 38% year-over-year. Our strong performance was led by the video and broadband solution segment, where we increased first quarter revenues by 81% year-over-year. Entra sales were the key to this growth and climbed more than 16 times year-over-year to $5.2 million. To put this in perspective, our first quarter Entra sales were almost on par with what we generated in all of fiscal 2020, with our Entra products. How do we achieve this? First, production deployments of our Entra Remote Phi node to our lead Tier 1 customer began to build during the period. We also initiated Remote Phi node deployments to multiple other operators. By quarter's end, we had hundreds of Entra Remote Phi nodes live in the field, servicing many thousands of subscribers. Our Q1 Entra sales were further supported by growing demand for our interactive video controller from operators leveraging it to support mission-critical video services as they move to DAA. Again, the Entra IVC is the only platform available in the market that provides essential two-way connectivity to digital set-top boxes deployed in, in millions of homes when an MSO adopts DAA. In addition, we, could, we quickly hit a fast drive with a new portfolio of technologies acquired from Nokia during the quarter. We talked about this transaction in some detail on our last call, but just to recap, on August 7th, we acquired Nokia's portfolio of industry-leading cable access solutions. The portfolio includes market-ready DAA products, including 10-gig EPON, fiber-to-the-home capabilities, and DOCSIS remote MACFI solutions. Along with Remote 5, these are all critical pieces of the cable DAA ecosystem that flow into any and all pathways that the industry will follow as the access network evolves from today to 10G. With the combined Entra family of solutions, Bessemer is positioned with the world's most advanced range of DAA technology, just as the, as the market is kicking off. This new portfolio added about $1 million of sales to our Q1 Entra results in the first quarter. Keep in mind that given the timing of the acquisition, this represents only about a half quarter of true contribution from the new portfolio, and our plan anticipates that contribution from the acquired products will accelerate over the course of the fiscal year. Overall, it was a rapid start in this pivotal and exciting year for Entra. We are now actively selling to over a dozen operators across five continents, and our global engagements have widened to 46 MSOs across all tiers. 
We also continue to believe this is just the start of the momentum we'll see for our industry-leading enter products going forward. Looking at other contributors to the Q1 BBS segment growth, I'm pleased to report we more than doubled Terra's Quam sales to 4.2 million year over year as our lead customer continued to expand its hospitality footprint. This helped to offset the expected tail off in demand for some of our other legacy products, most notably the TC600 and TC600E, where certain customers have neared full deployment off of those platforms. Our next generation IP oriented platform, the Terrace IQ, is also well underway in development, and we continue to see the industry consolidating around migration to that forward looking platform as their networks evolve to IP video delivery. That's expected to drive a whole new market cycle in commercial video for Vesema. Turning to our content delivery and storage segment, first quarter sales were up 15% year over year to 13 million. That's a very solid result for a seasonally slower Q1 period. We brought in another two MSO customers for IPTV during the quarter, building still more on top of the record 13 customer wins from fiscal 2020. Once again, these IPTV customer conversions are highly coveted for vendors like Vesema, with capacity expansion embedded in every account as more and more subscribers take up the new services. We've now grown the customer base for our IPTV solutions to over 100 cable companies, telcos, and broadcasters worldwide. This sets us up for the future with a large base of customers that are just starting their migration to IPTV. Scale subscriber uptake remains ahead. I'm proud to report that our CDS team also achieved another industry first during the quarter as we provided an IP streaming solution for 8K Ultra HD resolution delivery for a North American customer. And we rolled out a number of important new product feature enhancements, including advances in digital rights management, dynamic ad insertion, and virtualization. In our telematics segment, the first quarter brought continued solid performance as we, as we increased our engagement with municipal government customers. We also continued to build out the new market for our Nero GPS asset tracking products. We added four new restoration industry customers and approximately 100 new subscribers during the quarter. We're excited about the path we see ahead of us for telematics growth as our unique asset solutions are adopted. So, what an exciting start to an exciting year for Vesema, with our multi-year strategy bearing fruit as a once-in-a-lifetime market cycle kicks off. And at this point, I'll turn the call over to Dale to provide more detail on our financial results. Dale? Thank you, Sumit. For the purposes of this call, we assume that everyone has seen our first quarter fiscal 2021 news release and financial statements that are posted on Vesema's website. I will present the relevant numbers in discussions around overall results, market segments, operational expenses, and the balance sheet. Please note that the results for the first quarter of fiscal 2021 include the operating results from our acquisition of the Nokia cable access portfolio we acquired on August 7, 2020. Starting with consolidated sales, for the three months ended September 30, 2020, we generated sales of 27.8 million. This was an increase of 38% over the 20.1 million in Q1 last year, an increase of 7% from 26.1 million in Q4 fiscal 2020. 
The year-over-year increase reflects the growth of both the video and broadband solution segment, driven by our new Entra family of products, and the content delivery and storage segment with our MediaScale X and Content Agent products. Within the video and broadband solution segment, we generated sales of 13.5 million. This was up 81% from Q1 last year and 29% higher than last quarter. Further deployments of our next generation DAA products contributed first quarter entry revenue of 5.2 million, significantly up from the 0.3 million in Q1 fiscal 2020 and the 2.1 million in Q4 fiscal 2020. The dramatic growth in Entra sales was led by production deployments of Vesma's industry-leading Entra Remote Phi node to our lead Tier 1 customer, as well as initial RFI node production deployment to an additional three operators in Europe and Canada. Sales of Entra Interactive Video Controller, IVC, products also grew significantly year-over-year. Entra sales further benefited from approximately 1 million of sales related to the DOCSIS DAA and EPON DPOE cable access technology portfolio Vesem acquired from Nokia Corporation. Terrace QAM sales of 4.2 million were up 120% from 1.9 million in Q1 fiscal 2020 and up 25% from 3.3 million in Q4 last quarter. While we believe demand for Terrace Guam is nearing saturation, we're currently seeing an uptick in ordering activity prior to our lead customer moving to the next generation platform. This could continue into the second quarter. First quarter Terrace family sales of 3.5 million were down 33% from last year and down 19% as compared to Q4 fiscal 2020 primarily due to lower sales of our TC600 and TC600E products. In the content delivery and storage segment, first quarter revenues were 13 million, an increase of 15% from 11.3 million in the same period last year. The year-over-year increase reflects the expansion of our customer base and a strong demand for our IPTV solutions. While content delivery and storage solution sales were 9% lower than the 14.3 million generated in Q4, this was still a very strong result for the seasonally slower Q1 period. Turning to the telematics segment, sales in the first quarter were a solid 1.3 million. This was slightly lower than the 1.4 million we achieved a year ago and on par with the 1.3 million generated in Q4 fiscal 2020 all in line with our expectations. Gross margin for the quarter was 47%, down from 49% in Q4 2020 and 52% in Q1 of fiscal 2020. Video and broadband solutions gross margin was 44% in the current quarter. This was lower than 47% a year ago, but higher than the 39% in Q4 fiscal 20. The year-over-year decrease in gross margin reflects different product mixes in each period, while the increase in Q1 fiscal 21 gross profit dollars reflects higher sales. Gross margin in the content delivery and storage segment decreased to 48% from 53% in Q1 last year and 54% in Q4 last quarter due to a different product and customer mix 
as well as the impact of obsolete inventory allowances recorded in the quarter, and a one-time concentration of service costs as a segment absorbed new business. In the telematics segment, gross margin in the quarter decreased to 65% from 72% during Q1 fiscal 20 and 70% in Q4 fiscal 20, reflecting higher product costs. Turning to first quarter operating expenses, the notable, notable changes year over year were as follows. R&D expenses increased to 6.3 million from 5.1 million in Q1 fiscal 20, as we continued to invest in research and development to support the launch of new products. Until these new products are commercialized, development costs are deferred to future periods. Sales and marketing expenses decreased to 3.2 million from 3.7 million in the same period last year, due to lower travel, entertainment, and trade show expenses year over year, partially offset by higher staffing costs from the Nokia portfolio acquisition. G&A expenses increased to 4.8 million in the quarter from 4 million in Q1 fiscal 20 primarily reflecting the one-time acquisition costs from the Nokia portfolio acquisition and additional costs associated with the new operations. Total OPEX in Q1 increased to 14.6 million from 12.8 million during the same period last year. This reflects higher operating expenses in the video and broadband solutions segment, reflecting the addition of operating expenses related to the newly acquired Nokia cable access technology portfolio. I note that reported R&D expense in a period is typically different than the actual expenditure. That's because certain R&D expenditures are deferred until product commercialization. Adjusting for deferrals, amortization of deferred development costs, and income tax credits, actual R&D investment for the quarter increased to 8.2 million or 29% of sales from 6.1 million or 30% of sales in the same period last year. The increase reflects higher costs from the Nokia portfolio, higher staffing costs, subcontracting and prototyping costs as our next generation product families move closer to deployment. We reported an operating loss of 1.6 million in Q1 fiscal 21 as compared to an operating loss of 2.3 million in Q1 fiscal 20. This was due to a decrease in losses in both the video and broadband solutions and the content delivery and storage segments. Net loss for the quarter was 0.8 million or 4 cents per share. This compares to a net loss of 1.4 million or 6 cents per share in Q1 fiscal 20. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the first quarter with 27.3 million in cash and short-term investments. Working capital decreased to 48.1 million from 55.3 million in Q4 fiscal 20, reflecting the 6.4 million Nokia cable access technology portfolio acquisition. Finally, cash flow from operations for the first quarter increased to 3.4 million from 0.5 million during the same period last year. The 2.9 million increase reflects a $2.5 million increase in cash flow from non-cash working capital and 0.4 million increase in operating cash flow. Now back to Sumit. 
Thank you, Dale. Before I move to our outlook, I want to mention some industry recognition Vesma has received in recent weeks. First, we are deeply honored to be awarded the Chairman's Advanced Technology Award in the Network Hardware category at the Cable Tech Expo in October. This is a prestigious award that recognizes Vesma among an elite group of technology companies that are helping the cable industry bring the 10G platform to life. We've also been recognized with two new BTR Diamond Technology Review Awards, one for our Entra EN2112 Compact Access Node and the other for our new Terrace IQ platform. The Diamond Technology Awards recognize unique technological innovation, ease of use, reliability, and efficiency, among other criteria. We're very proud to have our product and technology strengths acknowledged in this way and recognized, and the recognition that we received is a testament to the talent of our employees. As we move forward, we continue to see a very positive year ahead for Vesma. In our video and broadband solutions segment, we anticipate accelerating momentum for our Entra products in fiscal 2021, particularly in the second half. Our large lead tier one customer remains on track in transitioning to scale deployment. We have multiple customers purchasing and deploying across the Enter portfolio. We're also working with a broader and very vast set of MSOs who are moving through trials and expected to start shifting to field deployments, a number of them in fiscal 2021. Our newly acquired portfolio of MacFi and 10 gig EPON products have added and will further add to the momentum. As we indicated last quarter, we expect this new portfolio will produce an incremental 10 to 15% in sales relative to fiscal 2020. Combined with organic sales growth, we see a significant ramp up in store for Vesema and Entra sales in fiscal 2021. In our Terrace family of products, we anticipate continued demand for the current generation Terrace Qualm, making way for the long-term migration to the next generation Terrace IQ in lockstep with the overall network transition That'll ultimately happen towards IPTV. Looking at the content delivery and storage segment, we're anticipating continued measured growth in fiscal 2021. We're consolidating the significant new business we secured in fiscal 2020, and we expect to continue our successful trend of converting new customers as they transition to IP video. We're an industry leader in this space, and we intend to remain so. In our telematics business, we expect consistent growth from the fleet tracking market, together with increasing demand for our newer and market-unique movable asset tracking services, as customers operating commercial fleets look to realize the ROI of tracking the high-value assets and machinery that fuel their businesses, alongside of their vehicles. Overall, we're planning for a strong fiscal 2021 as we start to reap the rewards of our multi-year investments in strategic technology and strategic acquisitions. My one caveat continues to be that the COVID-19 pandemic continues to present unknowns in terms of investment timeframes, supply chains, and the pace of customer network evolution. To date, we've managed very well, and we have the benefit of operating in an industry where our products and services and the industry's outputs are deemed essential and where demand is growing swiftly. We're proud to be part of industries that are helping people navigate the current climate. Going forward, I believe Vesem is extremely well positioned for the future, and we look forward to telling you more about our achievements as the year progresses. As I said when I accepted the Chairman's Award that I mentioned earlier, the future is now. That concludes our formal comments for today. We'd now be happy to take questions.
Operator? We will now begin the question and answer session for analysts and institutional investors. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. The first question comes from Nihal Upadhyaya with PI Financial. Please go ahead. Hey guys, uh, congrats on the uh, strong quarter here. Um, um, just had a, a couple of questions here. Um, given the strong Q1 performance for Entra with over $5 million in revenue and the commentary on the revenue ramping throughout the year, particularly in the second half, um, it would seem to suggest that Entra revenue this year could be in the $35 million range, if not higher. Would this be a reasonable assumption in your view? Yes, we're not pinpointing that to totally, you know, at this point, I would say that you're correct in the interpretation of our comments that uh, we we have the Q1 5.2 million and a, and a wrapping trend when we're, when we think about the consolidated portfolio, which, in our, you know, we've said um, is, is very leading in re with respect to the, our vendor profile in the industry as it goes. Um, these are major infrastructure projects, so again, that's always a factor, and 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 we want to see that 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 continued momentum happen as we as we carry on for the year. But most definitely, you know, we're seeing this this trend of of the organic and and inorganic uh, the acquisition combination driving us up in in revenues, and you can you can interpret you know that that growth from the, the 5.2 we had in Q1. Understood. Um, so. In terms of, um, if you were, for example, to achieve that kind of revenue uh, for Entra or, or thereabouts, roughly, um, and based on the assumption that the majority of that revenue is for your nodes, what do you see as the impact on your gross margins? Uh, would you expect uh, gross margins to be at the lower end of your target range of 49 to 53%? Um, as we said before, you know, the, the mix that we see across the entire consolidated portfolio, including the CDS segment and 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 uh, the entirety of the intra portfolio, is consistent with our with our you know typical range of 49 to 53 percent. We expect that to be maintained. Um, depending on the products in the intra portfolio, there's definitely variations in in, in mix and, and margin profile um, because certain products like the MacFi and the, the 10 gig EPON platforms, of course, have have more of the access network content, you know, encompassed within them versus something like a remote buy, um, which was, of course, you know, Vestimo's organic development. Um, and, and in a certain sense, remote buy is, is, is a, is a uh, smaller uptick in the access network as an evolutionary step as well. Um, so that might flow into our mix for this fiscal year, and, you know, proportionally speaking, because it, it's, you know, early, uh, an early moving type of product. Um, but you know, uh, we, we've said that we're we're impressed with the margins on the, the fiber to the home products, and of course, the increased content in the MacFi solution means that um, that creates another tailwind. So overall, it, it it balances quite nicely when we think about our our typical range of 49 to 53. Gotcha. And then, could you provide any color on the number of Tier One MSOs you're working with? As part of the 46 operators you've engaged for Entra, um, beyond your lead Tier 1 customer, uh, where are the other Tier 1 operators in the pipeline? Sure. So, 
And and like last quarter, I'm not ready to kind of update the the number just yet. Um, you know, I'm not going to break it out further at this point. But uh, you know, what I've offered right. before is that we're we're north of the the six tier one engagements that we've talked about before. Um, you know, I'll go so far as to say that we're significantly higher than the six in terms of the number of tier ones in our 46 engagements. Um, and you know those and you know the reason, of course, is things are competitive and and you know I'll color it more as we progress in those those engagements with the tier ones they are of course you know highly coveted prizes in in the industry for for the DAA stuff um and you know we do really like the number of tier ones we have in our engagement matrix considering the scope of a particular tier one so we have the lead um tier one you know moving along scaling deployment as we speak um, very important part of our our, our revenue profile in Q1 and and throughout fiscal 21, I've talked about a, a second tier one that uh, you know is uh, making their way towards forward progress, lab trial, field trial, and and potentially um, you know into into starting their deployments this fiscal year. Um, and then there are a series of others when we look at the, the overall portfolio. Um, some of whom will, will definitely be contributing revenue in, in, in fiscal 21 um, that are part of, of, of uh, the increased number of tier ones we have in the engagement matrix. Right. Okay, perfect. Um, so switching uh, to, to Terrace, um, what's, what is the uh, timeline on Terrace IQ as it relates to lab and field trials? any potential commercial launch? Is it just the one lead MSO customer that is really pushing ahead right now? Yes, yeah, so in fact, the lead customers consolidate a lot of their focus um, today uh, on, on Terrace Qualm, and we've, we've seen that with the uptick in Q1 um, and ongoing strength in Terrace Qualm. That is the you know um, primary commercial video platform in their blueprint today. Um, Terrace IQ for them, they are certainly, you know, um the, the the lead customer in that respect to having to find that that evolutionary platform with us but we do think that their their movement to the iq platform is is potentially out of this fiscal year where we're we're doing really well with terrace qualm so we're happy about that um but they're not the only um terrace iq uh moving customer again this is the, the next generation commercial video platform right. i think there's an entirely new market cycle across you know, all of the, the customers that we have penetrated with Terrace and Terrace Qualm in the last decade um, are addressable with this. And certainly, uh, you know, we are making progress in development and, and are nearing, you know, a certain, uh, the first phase of, of availability. Um, and there are customers outside of the lead that we anticipate could move towards that. And the lead is going to kind of continue flowing on Terrace Qualm and then long-term move to the IQ. Gotcha. Understood. Um, and then uh, f revenue in Europe was uh, down significantly this quarter. Anything particular going on there as Q2 has typically been the weakest quarter in recent years? Uh, was this weakness uh, COVID-related? Sorry, that was Europe or just Q2? I missed that. Uh, the, so the revenue in uh, Europe, um, it, was, <laughs> it was down significantly this quarter. Um uh, is there anything in particular going on in there, and was the weakness COVID-related? Yeah, I'd have to go back to figure out the <clears throat> look at what uh, what led to that change in, in the region quarter over quarter from from Q4. I, I I do I would say that 
Um, certainly, with respect to, to to Europe, you know, there's there's a bit more of a pause in, in some respects related to COVID across our our CDS segment. Um, you know, things are generally moving forward well, and you know, we're quite comfortable with with the the, the puts and takes on timing of, of regions and our and our plan for the fiscal year to have that continued growth, more measured growth than fiscal 20, but continued growth. Um, you know, all all things considered, and and you know the 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 COVID aspect is there, but uh, we we believe that it's not going to be a factor um, for for us. Uh, you know, overall hitting our our growth profile this year in CDS. Perfect. Um, and then the gross margins were down this quarter due in part to revenue and product mix, and there was also mention of obsolete inventory allowances and a one-time concentration of service costs as the uh, CDS segment absorbs significant new business. Um, can you provide some more co color on this and including the magnitude of the inventory allowances and the concentration of service costs? Yeah, so Dale, I'll let you take the magnitude and maybe I can come back to color. Yeah. Sure. So um, for the obsolete inventory, uh, this related to pre-acquisition of concurrent uh, which is our CDS segment inventory that we're unable to deploy, and it's old generation inventory, so we've uh, taken an allowance on that. Um, for concentration of service costs, our large APAC contract that we had previously press released had some upfront service costs that related to this very large project, and the revenues on that are expected to begin in Q2 of fiscal 2020. So I'll pass it to you, Sumit, for some color, other color, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think you know that was that was pretty good summary there, Dale. I'd say on the the APAC deal, you know, it was as we've said the highest uh, deal we've secured in the history of the CDS segment, um, even before we acquired concurrent. So um, that that of course is a major project of the major tier one customer, and uh, you know, in, in in the timing in Q1, we we had some costs kind of leading the. The revenue flow in, which will be more focused on Q2 and Q4, um, we think for the fiscal year. So that's just the natural cadence of that type of a of a contract that we're 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 we're, we're investing in, in some of the required um, you know activity and, and service costs before the the revenue really kicks in in mass. Uh, perfect. And uh, last one uh, from me. Uh, how much was the uh, one-time acquisition cost related to the Nokia acquisition? Um, how, how much was uh, of that was included in GNA? Yeah, I can take that one. So um, the the one-time acquisition costs. Uh, are in between three and four hundred thousand Canadian on on that that hit our GNA in the quarter. Perfect, guys. Uh, that's all for me. Uh, again, congrats on the strong quarter. Thank you so much. Thank you. The next question comes from Todd Coupland with CIBC. Please go. <coughs> Uh, hi, hi guys. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'll, I'll start with the opex there. Um, so, fourteen five in the quarter, three to four hundred one time. So, is X that? Is that about the right run rate with the Nokia fully loaded? Dale, <clears throat> yeah, why don't you go ahead, and we we may break that down by 
by category? Yeah, we can uh, definitely break down uh, by category um, if you'd like. Um, and, and just on that, Todd, uh, you have to remember that the uh, Nokia acquisition was uh, August 7th, so uh, we don't have a full quarter of uh, um, operating expenses for that acquisition in those numbers. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, sure. So I'll start with uh, R&D in the quarter. And uh, for answer that, in our Q4 call, we provided OPEX expectation, expectations for the pre-merger business and gave some percentage by category breakdowns for the acquisition expenses. And as we indicated at that point, we planned that as of Q1 go forward, that we would begin to provide expectations for the fully consolidated business. So that's how uh, you should understand our numbers today. Again, for the consolidated business, we're planning for R&D expense to be on the average pace of 6.9 to 7 million per quarter for the full year, um, driven again by ongoing commercialization activity increases in the now combined Entra family and CDS. This is gonna be a little bit skewed to the second half of the year. Um, we expect the full year um, cash R&D to be in the range of nine to 9.1 million quarterly. Um, the increase from Q4 moving from that 8.2 in Q1 was driven by a little, little over a half a quarter of acquisition R&D coming in, where again, 70% of the expenses coming in largely headcount were R&D. As we realize a full quarter of expenses from the acquisition starting in Q2 and continue again on the accelerated commercialization activity for the combined Entra family and CDS, that will drive up the cash R&D and take us to that full year average of nine to 9.1. So we could move over to uh, sales and marketing next and talk about um, that. So our guidance on uh, on our consolidated business, we plan to be on average of about 3.7 to 3.8 per quarter for the remainder of fiscal 2021, or for fiscal 21, probably back-end loaded on hitting that average across the full year, which will account for the current macro environment continuing with travel and trade show down tools, but assumes just a touch of things starting up again in the second half, where optimistically we could see some resumption of trade shows and travel. We also plan to continue to mobilize on DAA and IPTV on the opportunities between salaries and marketing spend where we are directing our investments to more non-travel related marketing such as web webinars, et cetera. Additionally, we saw slow moving finished good inventory allowances lower than typical in Q1 for the VBS segment and expect that to return to more typical levels in the second half of the year. Turning to uh, our GNA, um, in the first quarter we noted we had about three to four hundred thousand initial one-time setup and legal costs related to the acquisition, and we only had roughly seven weeks of operating expenses with the closing occurring on August 7th. For the remainder of fiscal 21, we plan to be on pace of, for GNA of about 4.4 to 4.5 per quarter. And then the only other item that we traditionally don't talk to, but uh, wanted to highlight this quarter was that uh, um, we have uh, issued performance share-based units. You saw that in our, uh, in our financial statements this quarter, 
and and that's going to although it's a non-cash item um, and doesn't impact EBITDA, we are uh, looking at about um, 240,000 on average uh, for the year quarterly, and uh, probably majority of that is front end loaded. So those are my uh, comments uh, related to OPEX. Okay, that's uh, that's helpful. Thank you. I was a little bit late on the call, so I imagine you maybe said that earlier. Sounds like it's nope, prepared. Nope. You oh, okay. Uh, first one on, so that's good. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. Um, so then, could you just bridge me? I don't know if I read this right, but I thought you capitalized three and a half million in the quarter. So you're basically saying for the rest of the year, it'll just be a couple million a quarter of uh, capitalized R&D with seven to nine being the spread, right? No, I, I, I think we were at three point, our amortization was 1.7 last quarter. Um, we're looking at about 2.2 for the remaining quarters as we uh, commercialize some of the additional products. The R&D amortization okay. you were asked about, Todd? Uh, no, the capitalized R development. Deferred development. Okay, so on the capitalized Deferred, R de de deferred development, sorry. Sure, Deferred development right. was three and a half million. Um, yeah. So, so and when you say seven to nine cash R and D, that's that's basically the two million per quarter spread, right? So, so I guess I just wanted you to bridge me to what's going to be deferred development quarterly. Is it will, will that? I guess that's two million a quarter. That's essentially what you're no, saying, it, right? So we're at three and a half, and our uh, we'll be capitalizing about uh, four point. Two to four, four point two is probably where we're um, going to be averaging for the rest of the year on our deferrals. Okay. And our and as I had stated, our cash R and D is about nine to nine point one. Um, okay. Okay. Um, okay, that's helpful. Um, and it's good to see you putting stock-based units. That means you're having to compete for some employees uh, and are hoping for some share price performance. So I'll uh, I'll take that as a positive sign on the stock price. World-class portfolio. What's that? World-class portfolio, world-class team. That's right. Exactly. 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 You can't you just probably. Right? You probably saw it, Todd, uh, in the subsequent events note where one third of those uh, PSUs did vest uh, subsequent to uh, quarter end. No, oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't just pay them with the nice views in Victoria. <laughs> uh, okay, that's uh, that's helpful on the on the the cost. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, I just wanted to see if I read this right. So. I think you've said a couple times Nokia will add 10 to 15% to your sales. So let's call that 10 to 15 million in rough terms. And I don't know if I read this right, but I thought I saw an acquisition price of six and a half million. So is that sort of roughly the sort of purchase price and uh, yeah, financial yeah. metrics in terms of what you've, what you've got here? I think you caught that right, six and a half Canadian on on purchase price, and yeah, um, we're looking at that ten to fifteen million first twelve months top line. Okay, and are, are there like trailers or earnouts if uh, they do better? No, they're not. Okay, okay. So I mean, I mean, and that's a pretty low price. So now you specialize in certain parts of the network, and I guess Nokia's willing to let this go 
at that price because they've got to continue to focus on it internally and they have to make development choices. And this is this has sort of been consistent with how uh, Vesem has operated over the years. You're able to take a niche and operate it and make a nice business out of it, even if these larger players aren't willing to de dedicate the resources to it. So in a way, this is consistent with uh, the overall strategy of the company. I mean, that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah, no, indeed it is. And, and you know, just one other highlight there is that um, a market like DAA um, and, and the fiber of the home e-pond, you know, requires in, in, in our industry's view, especially the cable customers that, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the focus of a vendor like of a, of a scale and size and capability of Vesema when we, you know, assemble our 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 R&D resources between the, um, you know, organic Vesema and, and the new people coming in from the acquisition, that's that's the kind of profile that customer base. Um, so that was a, certainly a factor in in, in terms of uh, we believe in, in Nokia's thinking, and and you know they talked about it as well that that uh, you know the the home of the assets and the the opportunity to to realize the vision with the assets is, is, is suitable for a company like Vesema, and that was certainly sponsored by, by some of the most important customers in the industry. Yeah, okay. All right, that uh, certainly makes sense. Um, <clears throat> those were all my questions. Uh, appreciate the color. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Once again, analysts and institutional investors who would like to ask a question should press star and one on their touchtone phone. We will pause for a moment while any additional callers join the queue. next question comes from Ole Trigel, a private investor. Please go ahead. Hi, Ole. Yeah, uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Ole. Very encouraging runway I see going forward, and uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Now, is any speed bumps coming up? Uh, in the past, there has been instances where uh, supply uh, that there wasn't enough supply of uh, a restriction of of uh, parts like electronic parts etc mm -hmm. uh, is how how is how does that look going forward mm -hmm. uh, or is there any restrictions now no i think you know you may have been referring to either you know general things we've talked about before with lead times expanding on parts as, and some specific things you know where on terrace qualm we had we had a little bit of um work to do on 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 some part, one one supplier during during when covid first came into the fray um but what what generally speaking you know as we look forward and our visibility is improving with with the forecasts and whatnot from customer base, we've been able to be quite effective at managing working capital to to play into what we see out ahead of us. So yes, you know the the, the lead time expansion had had happened over the last several years in the in the marketplace, but uh, you know we're we're past the point of of managing through that, and we feel pretty good about about how we've organized ourselves on on flow of working capital 
relative to the forecast we've put together. Okay, that's encouraging. Uh, is is there many parts uh, or suppliers that you need to get from China? Um, not typically. I mean, certainly China is, is uh, involved in manufacturing some of the parts, but uh, you know, typically. Um, you know, we have Taiwan, we have U.S., we have, you know, a worldwide ecosystem okay. of, of silicon especially, and, and I haven't seen a, any particular concentration, I would say, in, in, in China for, for, for parts for us. Okay. Well, that's it for me. Thanks very much. Thanks, Oli. Thanks, Oli. As there appear to be no further questions, this concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.